Thanks for listening. This is part two of a conversation on debating the gifts of tongues. Hopefully you heard part one and it was a blessing to you. Maybe it stirred up some questions and Lord willing, we'll answer some of those questions in this exciting episode of the Spirit Forward podcast. Welcome to the Spirit Forward podcast, a show dedicated to the teaching, discussion, and demonstration of the work of the Spirit of Jesus. God bless you, and thanks for listening. How do we, uh, how does, how did tongues function in the early church? So it acts to, they receive the Holy Spirit, they speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were not uh, speaking Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek, because the Bible clearly says they were speaking in other tongues or languages. If you want to use that word, because that is uh, certainly uh, an appropriate way to translate the uh, the Greek word behind tongues, they spoke with other languages, so they weren't speaking their native tongue. They were heard in fifteen different languages, twelve to fifteen uh, different languages uh, are mentioned. Nationalities are mentioned in Acts chapter two. So they are speaking something they weren't trained in. Now there is a common teaching that. To pray in tongues is to pray in a language that um, is known in somewhere in the world. But when Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 talks about this gift, he says that you should not pray in tongues when outsiders are present, lest no one understand what you're saying. Well, if you're speaking one of those 15 known tongues, like they were heard at Acts 2, then um, it's... Uh, very probable that someone would understand what you're saying. There were a lot of multilingual people with all the traveling that was going on through the Middle East. Apparently, there were because of the diaspora. So there must be um, a function where you're praying, and it's a language that only the Lord knows, um, and it's not not one of the the known languages. Because Paul specifically states that without interpreter, n- no one would know, and people would think you were mad. So you're you're speaking something that you don't understand, and potentially there's definitely evidence there. First Corinthians fourteen, you're speaking that no one on our, something that no one on earth would understand. So that is one way the gift functions. At the same time, Pentecost shows us, and then dozens of accounts in church history show us that people who have prayed in a language that they don't think anyone understands have at times been prompted to do that in front of someone, and that person does understand them. So then you have this plurality of gifts, the gifts of tongues, right? You have the gift of tongues that builds you up in your private prayer closet. And functionally, you could do the same thing in a small group or in a prayer meeting, and someone might understand what you're saying. Uh, you know, it counts of a, a, in Azusa Street of a Jewish atheist coming as a reporter to to mock and, and deal with this revival, 1906, only to hear a girl, an African-American girl, speak perfect Hebrew to him. And she was just praying in her prayer language. He walked up to the, to the upper room prayer meeting they were having. He walked in to listen to them pray, and she turned and looked at him, and while she was praying, he heard Hebrew. So functionally for her, she's just praying in the spirit. She's praying in tongues. She's not saying, oh, now I need to change languages. But a miracle happens, an additional gift of tongues is given here, where the gift is he comes to become a, a, become a follower of Jesus because of what he heard. Uh, Jack Hayford tells the story of being on a plane, and 
he um, was prompted after talking to a businessman, he was prompted to uh, share with this man a sentence he'd been given in his prayer closet. And he told the Lord he wouldn't do it. He, he fought with the Lord, you know, internally kind of the whole trip. But at the end, he finally looks at the man, the man's a native American. He says, Hey, I've been learning a new language. And, uh, to his shame, like he totally explained it away, even though he's this passionate follower of Jesus, who's so embarrassed. So he, he, he framed it this way. I've been learning a new language and I'd like to share some words with you to see if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> and so he shares these words that he was given in his prayer closet as a part of his prayer language, but it was these distinct words that kept coming out in his prayer time. So he shared the words. The man gets very emotional and tells him that he uh, his mom was one of the last surviving members of this of this uh, uh, tribe, Native American tribe, and they'd all been basically it all passed away. And she had taught him this language which is now dead. And she uh, sang this song to him about the light in heaven that looked down on him and had made him and loved him. Oof. And uh, he had been opposing Jack Hayford's advances of the gospel. But when Jack shared these words, he said, you've spoken to me words from a dead language. There's no <laughs> way you could know that. And you told me there's a light in heaven that looks down on me and loves me. And uh, and so what? so Jack already had a prayer language. Right. But now he's has an additional gift, right? An additional function, call it what you will. A miracle happens because of this gift, a gift that he uses a private to edify himself. He's prompted from the Lord to use it. And now it becomes a gift that bears evangelistic fruit. So you have a gift that you use to build yourself up. Then sometimes you're prompted to use that gift to use to to bless someone evangelistically. You got Pentecost, then you have these church history experiences that I've two of thousands that I've mentioned. Um and then the third function would be if this gift is interpreted. So you're prompted to do it publicly and somebody hears it and they interpret it. Now, they're not translating it. They're interpreting it. So the Holy Spirit gives you a tongue and the Holy Spirit gives them or it can be you as well, gives you an interpretation. And now it becomes prophecy. So the gift of tongues is a personal prayer language. It can be it, it can have an evangelistic function and it can have a prophetic function. And that's why Amen. my understanding is why it's called gifts of tongues. Yeah, plural. Um, so in First Corinthians 14, in verse number two, he says, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. And uh, you had said uh, in that comment that uh, when we when we are praying in the spirit, we're praying words that only the Lord knows. And that's literally what Paul says right here is that you're not praying to men, including yourself. You're praying to God. Nobody knows him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Um, Paul goes on to say in verse five, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. So I hear that um, as as a prioritization of the gifts. And it is not to say, and, and recently I heard somebody use this verse to suggest that tongues should cease, which is weird. It's it's a weird interpretation of Paul saying, I wish you all spoke with tongues to suggest that he was saying, I wish you did not speak in tongues. So here he says, I want you all to do this um, because number one, it is prayer to God. I, you know, like, don't we want more voices in the choir? We want more praise unto God. We're praying in the spirit and we're speaking unto God. And uh, secondly, we want the, the people to be edified. And in fact, 
when, when the Lord helped me to stir up this gift, um, it came one night when I was crying out to the Lord saying, Lord, I know your word says that this gift edifies the speaker and I need edif edification. I, I prayed, Lord, I can't just bounce from conference to conference or from church service to church service to get filled back up when there is a gift defined in the scriptures as stirring me up, as building me up. And um, so that night I, I prayed and, and the Lord reminded me of a teacher and um, I found his video on YouTube and he he explained from the scriptures and really kind of helped me to get this idea that this is the the blessing of God, the praising of God. And, and so one night I sat that that night I, I sat up and I and I just started praising the Lord um, in English. Um, blessing God, telling him how majestic he, he is, how awesome he is. And I could feel my spirit rising in English. Like I think I was probably praying in the spirit in English. My spirit's rising. The blessings are coming. And and in the course of 15 minutes of kind of stumbling over this thing, of trying to just continue the praise without English, that my heart was praying. My heart was praising. That's exactly what Paul says. When I pray, in a tongue, my spirit prays. And so it clicked, like it dawned on me, you know, that night that, oh, I can, my heart is praising God. My heart is praying with God. And I'm not being limited by my natural first language. And so um, it was really, you know, I, I spent like a year probably praying for tongues, thinking that the Holy Spirit would just like, take autopilot of my mouth and thinking um, that I would just let wind pass over my windpipes uh, and and he would do something with it. But I've, I've come to realize that there's a partnership involved that when we speak, um, the Holy Spirit gives utterance. We speak, he gives utterance. It's a partnership in this thing. And we can be intentional about using our tongues to build ourselves up. But I think just most importantly, we can use tongues to pray without ceasing. We can stay in a point of praise and thanksgiving, uh, speaking to God, but no one understands because he speaks in mysteries. Yeah. First Corinthians 14. I don't know how else you would define that. First Corinthians 14, 14. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So Paul talks about singing in tongues and praying in tongues, but he also places his will in it. In other words, you can decide to do one or the other. Mm. So you're not going to be forced. It's a matter of decision. And um, that's why Paul says, don't forbid it. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Yeah. First Corinthians 14, yeah. 39, the omitted Bible verse in many churches, right? What do you do with that one? <laughs> um, so you've got this gift that that builds you up, that you can choose to participate in and use as something that's going to, to strengthen you in your walk. And then the addition of, inter of interpretation that comes. So real practically, real functionally, how I've come to walk in the gift, I um, 
have shared in other episodes how my wife and I were baptized in the spirit while we were working on a home project and listening to a sermon and heard a prayer. And we weren't looking for it, but we were looking for more of Jesus. We were definitely on a journey looking for more of Jesus. And we had a baptism in the spirit moment. And within weeks, I began having this question reverberate in my mind, but what about tongues? Clearly something has happened to me that's changed my faith. It's just renewed my passion for the Lord. But all of a sudden, tongues became an issue in my mind. It was just, but what about tongues? And we'd had some conversations. We'd even taught on spiritual gifts at church in a, a simple, real simple series. And um, But now personally for me, the Lord wouldn't let me leave it alone. And uh, ultimately, uh, just spending time alone in prayer, the Lord, um, the Lord gave me some words. And as uh, as he did that, I began to to feel um, like as you described, a strength grow and a joy uh, grow in me. So nobody uh, laid their hands on me and prayed that I received the gift. It was something that I was seeking out alone and wrestling with with the Lord and reading some testimonies of people. Look, testimonies build faith. You hear a testimony of someone uh, coming to know Christ. It encourages you to go share the gospel. And uh, I, I read some testimonies that really shocked me. And, um, you know, the people who who have influenced me spiritually, who I realized prayed in tongues, whether it was Jim Cimbala, Brooklyn Tabernacle, whether it was uh, Corey Ten Boom. Um, and one that really stuck out, who I'd never heard of before I read her book, was a missionary to Hong Kong, China, um, named Jackie Pollinger. And Jackie found, long, long story short, an 80% success rate dealing with heroin addicts by simply praying in tongues over them and them detoxing, just hearing people pray in tongues. So her whole ministry was built on getting heroin addicts who wanted to get clean. She'd put them in a church room, a room in their church or in their ministry or their school, and she would get people who prayed in the spirit to just pray in the spirit over them. And... um Last I heard, they still do this. They take a week and they pray in the spirit over a person. And sometimes they instantly detox. Sometimes they detox in 15 minutes and sometimes they detox over a whole week. But she said the main vast majority of their program is just praying over these people in tongues. There's no counseling. There's no inner healing and deliverance even until later. They pray (laughs) in tongues over these people and share Jesus with them. And she said, she said she's never lost one. She said, but the, the, the communist government of China recognized her as having an 80% success rate. Well, where is a drug rehabilitation program in America that has an 80% success rate? So I'm reading that story. I'm working on rehabbing our church building and a guy uh, overdoses in the parking lot of my church on heroin. The day I'm reading the story, look it, I, I have grown up in middle-class neighborhoods. I have never seen anybody overdose on heroin in my life. Okay. Until the day that I'm reading a book, look at, I've, I've read, I don't know, several thousand books. Uh, And, um, and I have maybe read two where someone talks about overdosing and heroin. I'm reading a book about tongues. It's the first book I've read that mentions tongues or maybe the second one. I'm reading a book about a ministry to heroin addicts. And then for the first time in my life, somebody overdoses on heroin in the parking lot of my church. I have an eyewitness to this uh, who was with me when it happened. Long story short, he he overdosed somewhere in our neighborhood and a guy threw him in the car and drove him to our church parking lot and abandoned the car and abandoned this guy, left him for dead. 
Ooh. And so here I am standing over this guy's body. And the Lord's like, do you believe in tongues yet? <laughs> <laughs> the police are there. They're trying to resuscitate this guy. I've read this book uh, that I'm not even done with yet. I'm reading this book slowly through. And I'm thinking, I think the Lord wants me to pursue this gift. So uh, that's a weird experience. But that was the Lord knew that was what it was going to take. Cause I knew I was going to lose friends. I knew it was super unpopular. I just had no space for it in my life. I didn't have a value for it. And the Lord is saying, I have a gift that's so powerful. It could take this guy right here and instantly detox him. And, uh, wow. you know, Man. so the, the, that, that story and that, um, that week wrecked me, shook me up. And, then when I began to pray, I realized I didn't need it for heroin. I've never done any illegal drugs, uh, but man, I needed it for my own discouragement to be broken. Yeah, I needed it yes. as a constant weapon in my prayer life to war in the spirit, right? It's a, it's right after the armor of God is praying in the spirit. Yep. And it became all of a sudden this valuable tool that helped me. And I found so many Christians were like, I don't want that gift, you know? I'm okay with healing happenings, but I I don't want tongues. Uh, somebody commented on one of my Facebook posts the other day, like, I, okay, I'll I'll believe you. I'll grant you that healing still happens today, but I dead sure don't want tongues. And that's, in my opinion, a violation of 1 Corinthians 14, 39, which is saying, do not forbid speaking in tongues. It's a violation of earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Because what you're saying is, Lord, I know what you're supposed to give me. It's like my kids coming to me at Christmas and saying, here's our list. You may not buy us anything else that's not on this list. <laughs> um, our, our father gives good gifts and he loves to use foolish things to confound the wise. I'm an eyewitness mm. of that. I'm a fool for Jesus. And uh, mm. as much as I want to wear that as a badge of honor, uh, there's been times when I have felt like a fool, a humiliated fool for Jesus because I had so much pride. And, um, you know, as John Wimber would say, I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? Uh, this gift is, it is foolish. It is childish. It is, I get it. People who are critics of it, they take the, the childishness that Paul talks about. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I became a man, I put away childish things. And they say, tongues is childish. You should put it away. It will be put away when Jesus comes back. But until then, we know in part. Until then, we are the sons and daughters of God. And we don't know what we should, everything that we need to know. And and it, there are mysteries in Christ, right? That, uh, that we're going to declare in tongues and in faith. Amen. You know, there, well, for somebody to say, I don't want the gift of tongues. Um, I think that there is something behind that of a, of just a misunderstanding either based upon their um, hurt you know, having been hurt in, in some kind of a charismatic church, um, and we've already alluded to that, or or maybe just this idea that I don't know anyone who speaks in tongues except the weirdos that are on TV or the internet. And unfortunately, um, it's too easy to make a straw man out of um, the weirdos on TV. And it's too easy to hold up a guy as a false prophet and then to just throw out an entire Bible teaching. I, this is a Bible teaching. And um, there, like, like we've been saying, to be consistent with continuationism or cessationism, there's just no way that you can take the word of God and say, I think that this gift has phased out. Um, there's no evidence anywhere in the scriptures that 
any of the gifts phased out. Uh, we've mentioned before how the very end of the book of Acts, Paul heals an entire island of people. Um, I, I think that we're setting up systems that say this gift is one thing and it doesn't happen like that today. Therefore, the gift is gone. I think that a lot of times we create um, false uh, understandings of the gift in the first century. Like, as I've already said, it's a false concept to say the gift of tongues was a means of evangelism and we don't need it anymore. Uh, I think that's just a false uh, definition of a gift. So if I, if I, if I hoist this thing up with a false definition, creating a straw man, I can dismiss the whole thing entirely uh, versus if I walk through what Paul is actually saying here and see that he's praising a gift. He's praising it. He says, I thank God I speak in it more than all of you. He praises it. And um, and so if we promote this for what the Bible teaches it to be, then I think we come away saying, my goodness, I need that gift. My soul needs this gift that builds me up, uh, just like my church needs gifts of prophecy to, to build it up. So I think that if it was good for the first century, it's certainly good for us. And it, you know, the gift of tongues was not a, a tool of evangelism to the Jews. Uh, the gift of tongues was not some kind of a placeholder for the scriptures. There's just no reason to think that we do not need it today. And so if I have a misunderstanding that leads me to say, you know what? I don't need that gift anymore. I think that um, we need to get our understanding correct according to the scriptures. And then I think we need to repent. As you've already said, I, I do think we have to repent of having quenched the Holy Spirit of God. Because here's the Holy Spirit giving out Jesus's gifts. And we're saying, no, I don't want that. And so like you brought up the kid at Christmas time demanding certain gifts. That's that's all we become is just immature children who are despising uh, the gifts of the Lord and we're forbidding the gifts of the Lord. And so we need to, honestly, we need to get our heart right before the Lord and say, Holy spirit, if you want me to have gifts, then I am so sorry for having quenched you. And I want what you want. I want what you want. Um, and then I think we need to deal with the idea of, of uh, you, you have not because you ask not. And because right here in the scriptures, he says, if you're, if you're speaking in tongues in church, you need to pray for an interpretation. So I think that's interesting that there's, there is something that we are specifically told to pray for, but then how many churches are praying for it? Yeah. Very few for sure. There's people are, are assuming that they can just go in and out of tongues and interpretation. And I think that's where a lot of the abuses come from. True. But I think, yeah, you start, let's start with asking, let's start first of all, if you don't have the gift, then we think it's very biblical for you to ask for the gift because your heavenly Amen. father knows what you have need of. Every good gift comes from above from the father of lights and who has no variableness. In other words, there's no respecting of persons, right? There's no, there's no change. There's no variable in him and uh, no shadow of turning. James 117, um, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more should a heavenly father give uh, good gifts to those who ask him or give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, whichever one, whichever one of those gospel promises you want. 
you can have. So ask him, uh, repent of dishonoring the gift, determine to value and honor that gift in your life, whether it's from someone else or through you for the rest of your life, and then ask the Lord for it. And as you ask the Lord for it, uh, also begin to ask him for interpretation. Uh, we've had two people, I've seen it in our church, in a prayer meeting, no outsiders. They were pr- on their face, faces, praying next to me, and I was praying in tongues, and all of a sudden, their faces got, they just lit up, and their eyes got really big, and they looked at me, and they were like, I know what you're saying. And uh, multiple times, people have interpreted to me what I was saying, and I wasn't saying it publicly. We were just literally all on on the ground praying, and they just happened to be close by me. And they heard it and you could see it on their face. You know, if they, <laughs> you know, I, I know the skeptic would be like, oh, they're making it up. But they, you know, I, I know these people. <laughs> yeah. I love them. And I could see it on their face. Like this, this is crazy. They said they could hear what I was saying in uh, the tongue. So they could hear this, these syllables they didn't understand. But they could also mentally, like a still small voice, hear sentences in English that were going with the same tenor. And form is what I was saying. So they were getting a mental cool. live stream of what I was saying uh, that they were hearing physically. So I have Here never... recently we 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 intentionally and I you guys do this too. We intentionally took time recently in a prayer meeting to stir up this particular gift. And since the Bible says pray for an interpretation, that's what we did. And um, I asked one of our men who has stewarded the gift of tongues longer than anyone in the church. He's been, he's been praying in tongues um, probably as long as I've been alive. And, and yet I don't think he does it publicly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's never done it publicly, but I asked him to pray in tongues over our prayer group. And he was pretty uncomfortable with that. Um, having never publicly pursued that. And I, I just, I'm reiterating the point that this is not a man who is a charismaniac. Okay. This is a man who has privately stewarded the gift, having prayed probably tens of thousands of hours in the, in tongues, just while driving down the road and in his prayer closet. And so here is a man who was asked by his pastor to stand up and pray tongues over the church. And he was very quiet and I could hear him sighing very deeply, which he does when he prays in tongues. Um, but he stood up boldly after several seconds of stillness and he started praying a very well articulated thing as if it was a very distinct language like there was intonation there was cadence and um and in that moment the lord gave me the interpretation and then later on um that guy said that that was not his normal prayer language and he's experienced this multiple times where he he prays in the spirit daily and it's kind of like the same routine in a sense. This is the same syllables and stuff. But every now and then the Lord will come over him in a different fashion and he prays a different kind of a prayer language. And so he said that that prayer language was not his normal routine. And what was coming out of his mouth in intense boldness, intense power uh, was was a gift in that moment, and then the interpretation was a gift in that moment, and and it was it was just a group of people obeying the Bible, just saying, you know what, let's pray in tongues and pray for an interpretation, and none of us in the room had ever done that before, but we obeyed the Bible and the Lord blessed it. Hallelujah. 
yeah, making space for a gift. What a great idea, right? We we take the next generation, we give them an outline and say, hey, I want you to put some meat on this outline and try to teach. Uh, we take uh, someone who's learning the guitar and we say, hey, let's let's learn how to um, usher people into the presence through worship and praise. Uh, we 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 try to help people grow in studying the Bible, and so to make space for people to uh, have interpretation of tongues in a in a small group prayer meeting setting. That's that's wonderful, right? That's that's what we should do, right? That's what sheep shepherds Amen. should do for their sheep is to help them grow in it. And I get there's a ton of fear. I get that a lot of our, our pastor friends they don't have people who would follow them at this place at this point to do that, and that it takes time to create that culture. Um, but we would just say. To pursue that. Um, that's that's what pursuing the gift means, not just praying in private, mm. but also uh, valuing the gift, defining the gift, and saying, "Now let's let's go after the gift together as a church." Um, yeah, that's good stuff. And it's been amazing to see was... how, how God has touched some people. You know, Francis Chan's testimony, Max Lucado's testimony. Yeah. There's been a lot of people recently who said, "Man, I, I've dishonored the Lord by just ignoring these gifts." And now, as I've asked the Lord for these gifts, I've had different experiences and. Even those two men, they had different um, expressions of those gifts. But um, we're seeing across the body people um, grow in this. One of my favorite older stories is called Nine O'Clock in the Morning by Dennis Bennett. He pastored the largest Episcopalian church in America. And he had a, a, a priest friend call him and say, hey, Dennis, I need you to meet some church people. They really bother me because of how happy they are. He said, they go to my little Episcopalian <laughs> church and they really bother me. <laughs> And you're, you're, you know, the most respected Episcopalian in America. I want you to come meet them. He's like, he, he said, I went and met them. And at the end of it, I just, I couldn't help but ask, why are you guys so happy? And they said, oh, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Long story short, he kept visiting them. Something just kept drawing them. They laid their hands on him. They prayed for him. He broke. Um, holiness came. Hunger for the Lord came. Love from Jesus and the Father came. And tongues came. And so on Easter, uh, 1950 something. He stood up in Los Angeles at his church and said, I've been baptized in the spirit. And, and uh, the elders stood up and fired him on the spot. Uh, and it was reported across the country, Washington Post, LA Times, all over. They reported this well-known pastor fired for being filled with the Holy Spirit. But his story is so powerful of just how that gift, uh, he knew it would cost him so much. But um, what it did for his walk with the Lord, uh, it made it worth it. And uh I think, I think you and I would echo the same thing. There's been some rejection that's come from just acknowledging the gift from people who won't even really talk it over with you, but it's so worth it to be um, built up in uh, the love of Christ. Yeah, totally. I, I would, I don't know if I could necessarily defend this scripturally um, uh, in a direct way, but me personally, I feel like uh, as a tool for destroying the flesh, Okay, and maybe this is like a roundabout way of talking about uh, being edified, being comforted, being armed in spiritual armor. Um, I, I just feel like the first thing I want to do every stinking morning that, you know, I mean, I just wake up wanting to serve the flesh like everyone else. And the first thing I want to do is try to start praying and and just the me the the means of tongues is is such a way to conquer my own flesh and conquer my own desires and, and, you know, to align my spirit with the spirit of the Lord. So who, who on planet earth, what Christian wouldn't say, yeah, I want to destroy my flesh. Yes. I want to align my spirit with the Lord. 
And I think, you know, what, what invariably comes up in conversations like this is somebody saying, well, yeah, don't you know that the Hindus speak in tongues or whatever? And to that, I say, yeah, of course, just like the spirit that, you know, the oracles of Delphi, those who had that Python spirit, they would get, you know, stoned and they would prophesy, they would get, you know, stoned on volcano vapors or some weird thing. And they would, they would start, you know, um, speaking in tongues. And so to that, I just say, we all have the same spiritual hardware, like in me, I have the same hardware that every other human being has been given in order to communicate with spirits. Uh, I just happen to communicate with one spirit. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to only talk to the Holy Spirit. I do not fear that if I set out to talk to the Holy Spirit who indwells me, that I'm going to somehow be overrun or over overpowered by demons. So yes, we all have the same hardware, but I have no fear that somehow my tongues is like conjuring demons. So there's a fear of the unknown that's kind of natural. You know, for the past number of weeks, we've heard about these college campus revivals. And a couple of nights ago, I had a conversation with um, some friends of ours. The young lady is at Lee University, and they they were experiencing like a week-long nonstop praise, prayer, worship, repentance, revival meeting. And, uh, you know, Josh Lewis made a really good point. Like, how could, how could nonstop praise and repentance be a work of Satan? Can you imagine giving credit to the demons for nonstop worship of God almighty and, 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 and repentance of, of sin? It's, it's just bananas. It's what we're all setting out to do. And somehow when it happens in somebody else's camp, we want to give credit to the demons. Well, this young lady was in the midst of a week long nonstop uh, praise and repentance. And she said, the spirit of the Lord came over her and, and unknown words started forming in her mind. And she felt like as she was in the middle of this praise service, she felt like these words needed to be uttered, but it scared her. And she thought, oh, are these words coming from demons? And in that moment, she said, she felt the presence of the Lord uh, comfort her, come over her and give her total peace in speaking these things out. And so she began to praise the Lord in unknown tongues. And she did not come away from that thing demonized. She didn't come out from that thing um, more enslaved to sin or any uh, anything of that nature. So if we're judging the fruit of the thing, just like Jackie Pullinger, it's like, do we really think demons are giving a gift that frees 80% of these heroin addicts from yeah. their addiction? Can Satan you know, cast out Satan? If we're, Right. I mean, right. Jesus, talked if we to judge it. the fruit, we know it's the Lord only by the finger of God. Can, can a devil be cast out? So when you have devils yeah, being cast exactly. out by people who are praying in tongues, then it must be the finger of God and the spirit of God that are involved. And yeah, you're going to have to do some serious gymnastics to get around that. You know, you know, a tree by its fruit. And if the fruit is freedom from lifelong addiction and look, that's my testimony. We talked about it in other episodes, but uh, a, a, a lifelong addiction with rejection, depression, and the perversion that came as a, as a result of that was broken uh, at the same time that I began to pray in the spirit and um, same season. And yeah. the yeah. continued strengthening of my spirit, right? The flesh war, here's, here's your biblical evidence for what you said earlier. The flesh wars against the spirit, right? So who's going to win? Whichever one you feed the most, right? So how do I feed or build up the spirit? Well, the Bible's pretty clear that one of the primary ways is praying 
in the spirit and praying in the spirit is used interchangeably with speaking in or praying in tongues. So um, it doesn't take a hermeneutical genius to see Paul use those phrases interchangeably and realize he's talking about the same thing. Praying in the spirit is praying in tongues. Um, and it's just an amazing gift. It's a, it's a beautiful gift. Um, we are emphasizing it. We want to say this. It's not the only spiritual gift, but it is a stumbling block for many to get to the other spiritual gifts. Uh, we know that people overemphasize it, that they abuse it and misuse it. We're trying to make that case. We understand that some people are coming to us from the charismatic excess side and they're like waving their arms at us like, nah, you don't want to teach about tongues. Let me tell you all the bad things I've experienced. And we, we say, mm -hmm. again, we, we sympathize with you and yeah. grieve with you over the toxic church culture that you, that you're coming out of. And we could share a cessationist, we should, many cessationist toxic church cultures that we have experienced or seen. And any church culture can get toxic regardless of how they view the gifts. Oh yeah. Um, and so there's been bad teaching and there, there's been bad expressions of tongues and there's been abuses of the prophetic and there's been terrible heresies about healing. There's also been awful divisiveness over Bible versions. There's been divisions over the brand or stripe of Baptist that you are. There's been um, fights over communion. There's been fights uh, all over the church right? The yeah, enemy is, is splintering the church. And that's why the book that talks the most about tongues, 1 Corinthians, has a whole chapter devoted to love, 1 Corinthians 13, has, a, has two whole chapters devoted to spiritual maturity expressed in unity. So um, we need unity in the church uh, and, and, and love in the church, regardless of where we fall on this particular gift. But we would just say that to be strong in love to be strong in our spirit, this is a valuable gift. And um, yeah, I just want to give one more thing. I, I think in my closing thought is I want to take it for interpretation of tongues. I just want to say that uh, the interpretation of tongues is a companion gift. We didn't really define it. Um, but it is a, a gift that um, is used to help an unknown language be presented in an own language, right? So in an English-speaking world, the interpretation of tongues is somebody hearing it and then sharing with uh, everyone around what it was in English. The person who prayed in the tongue is welcome to be the one who gives the interpretation of the tongue. And a question I get asked often on this is, why wouldn't you just start off in English then? Why would you have this tongue, an interpretation of tongue? And we would say, because that's the way the Lord made it. <laughs> but we would add to that, <laughs> that it seems like in a culture that honors the gift of tongues, when there is a significant word that the Lord wants to mark that culture with, he gives it in a tongue and then interpretation. And that prophetic word just, it it comes in a whole different, hits in a whole different way than um, a prophetic word that's given in English. Uh, and and mm. Daniel could have just walked up to Nebuchadnezzar's grandson and said, hey, you've been weighed, measured, and found wanting. But the significance of the word came in the fact that it came in an unknown language that mystified all of the wise men and then um, uh, had to be interpreted by Daniel. And you've got you know, just a few Aramaic words that are, are used to uh, – or Hebrew words that are used to um, launch Daniel into a mul multiple sentences, right? He gives a whole interpretation, a whole prophetic word based on this. And so 
the 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 little bit of interpretation of tongues that we've seen is um, the Lord marking a significant moment uh, of uh, uh, with a prophetic word that started out in an unknown language and then was given. And like any prophetic word, it has to be tested, right? Yeah, right. You hear yes. it yes. and you say, "Man, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for your faith in sharing that." Now we're gonna weigh it and evaluate it and pray over it and test it and see if it bears fruit. Otherwise, you might have just missed it. So, yeah. Yeah, well, and that's exactly the case with Daniel. He said, um, your throne's going to be overturned. You're going to be destroyed. And that very night, it came to pass. Uh, Jesus said the same thing at the Last uh, Supper. You know, he in the Upper Room Discourse, he taught many things. And he says, I'm telling you, these things are coming to pass. So when it does come to pass, you'll know that I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And so testing prophetic words are an enormous importance where we're looking for uh spiritual confirmations we are um but but then also not being skeptical right i like first corinthians 13 it says that love believes all things and we're giving our brothers the benefit of the doubt and i'm not taught anywhere to be skeptical of someone so testing these words doesn't mean i want to prove it wrong uh testing it means i want to see the lord in this and i want to see how much of this is from the Lord and being verified and how much was just my flesh or, or just getting it wrong. And so it is extremely important uh, that we give proper place to these things. I find that different people have um, had kind of a, a, a small variety of having received the gift of tongues. Some people like myself, like some of my friends, it kind of came on gradually. I think it was super helpful I went to multiple spirit-filled spaces asking for men to lay on hands and impart the gift of tongues to me. And it was uh, Josh Smith's friend, Vance, who had laid on hands, prayed for me. And then he said, did any strange words uh, develop in your mind? And sure enough, there was this one strange syllable that was floating around in my conscience. And so I thought that was very, very helpful. He And I said, yeah, here it is. And he's like, oh, great. You you have tongues. <laughs> oh, really? And so there was that thing. And it kind of floated around for a while until, like I said, it took one night of me sitting with the Lord and rejoicing in the Lord and partnering with the Holy Spirit to stir up the gift that is within me. And I, I know a few friends who, you know, the language came on gradually. And then I've got a few friends who Holy Spirit just dumped on them and like you know they fell down on the floor with a full like uh you know vocabulary and um so i i guess the lord gives according the spirit gives according to his will first corinthians 12 and we can totally submit to that but i think it's very important no matter how the lord is going to develop a gift within you that we put ourselves into a spirit filled spirit believing space if you're in a church space that just consistently says nope those gifts aren't for today then don't expect to ever see that gift don't expect to ever get it but when you when you are stepping into um, a church setting or a conference setting hint hint that has people who treasure the these things from god um and and we're submitting ourselves before the Holy Spirit, uh, we will we will I think be far more likely to um, stop fearing them. I, I mean, because good grief, 
if I went to Ken Scott's prayer meeting at the father's house on a Wednesday night at 730 and I found these dear loving people uh, speaking over me, praying over me, praising the Lord head over heels in love with Jesus. And, and I'm hearing tongues um, perhaps coming here or there from throughout the service. It's just not threatening. It is not like something that I've seen abused on TBN. It's, it's just real life Christians who are loving one another and acting in these um, appropriately. So I, I think, you know, maybe we could um, just conclude with one more invitation. Uh, maybe come to the conference at, in September. We'd love to pray over you um, to receive the gift. We'd love to pray over you with the gift. We'd love to introduce you to a non-threatening uh, real life Christianity that is just following uh, what we see in the scriptures. And maybe we're wrong on points of it. Like probably we're wrong on some points that we've said today. But I think that if you were to uh, come into one of our churches or prayer meetings or conference, that you would find uh, loving people who are crazy about Jesus and uh, and are freedom fighters uh, looking to set people free from sin and addiction and demons and and all the kingdom of darkness as he has transferred us into the kingdom of his son. Yeah. So pray for you real quick to um, receive more of what the Lord has for you. Um, <clears throat> when I started uh, this journey with the Holy Spirit, I had a friend call say he was depressed, needed help. And I said, well, I think the Holy Spirit wants more of you. You got him when you got saved, but you need more. And I just prayed for him. And uh, at the end, I, I, prayed a few words of uh, prayer language over him. And he said, that was weird. And then he uh, texted me the next day and he's like, man, I think I spoke Chinese all night. I don't know what you did to me. He's like, but uh, <laughs> he was on five medications for depression. And uh, after consulting with his doctor, which is important, he went off all the medications, but one. And then uh, a month later, he was off of all of them. He'd been on those five Hallelujah. medications for, Amen. for over five years. And, um, and I had a little season where just over the phone, people called and I was like, well, I think you just need more of uh, what the Holy Spirit has for you. And so uh, we would just echo that in prayer and just say, Lord, uh, those who are hungry and are listening to the show, give them more. Um, and if they're yes, hungry yes. for to be built up in the spirit, then we just pray in the name of Jesus that you would be um, receptive of the gifts that Father God has for you. He's a good father. You can trust him. He gives you good things uh, if you ask. And so, uh, and just thank you for listening and being with us on this, on, uh, on this show, this episode, um, uh, thanks for allowing us to spend some time trying to honor just one more, uh, one more passage of scripture. First Corinthians 14 is a chapter in the Bible that deserves some honor and we've tried to honor it, not explain it away. Um, we've got a whole other half of it to teach when we get to prophecy. Um, but man, praise God for, uh, for the gifts that he gives. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out spiritforward.faith. Look into our conference. If you can make time in your calendar uh, to attend the conference this fall, we'd love to have you. There are other free resources on the website. And so I think there's plenty of content to keep you busy for quite a while. We love you all. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more resources, please visit spiritforward.faith. And until next time, may God bless you in Jesus' mighty name.